0: Hi, hey, um, I'm David Austin. I'm presently the, the chairman, president, CEO of Colonial Coal. Colonial Coal is a a, a metallurgical steel making coal company based in British Columbia, with two principal assets in northeast coal, uh, in a in a traditional coal area.
1: David, good to have you on. Um, we've not met or spoken before, so I'm probably going to go over a bit of old ground for your existing shareholders and, and um, get people up to speed, and then maybe we'll get stuck into the project uh, proper. Well, you're at the right side of the provincial line, aren't you? Because they're not having a lot of fun next door in Alberta.
0: Yeah, that's uh, that, that, That's one of the things. I have actually met different companies over the years. And the reason why we, stay, we stayed in our area is because, quite frankly, Most of the coal mines that have gone into production over the last 10 or 15 years, all the permitting, IOC was part of that. And so I stayed in the area that I know we can get things done.
1: Right. Okay. And that, that's a big deal. And it's, and it's, a, bit, it's, a, it's a nuanced thing because people may be reading sort of, you know, very negative headlines about Canadian coal, but we're t- that is very brokers in Alberta. You're in BC. Um, so in, in terms of the peers operating in and around your assets?
0: Yeah, Canuma's uh, the, the the company that's doing production. They're the ones who bought out the assets on my previous company. Anglo-America has properties that uh, we believe are up for sale at the moment. It looks like there's quite a few different entities looking at buying those entities. Uh, but the, the, the production at the moment is Kanuma. Right. The Tech Kaminka yeah. in Southeast BC.
1: Right. Okay. So um, you've got a couple of projects. You've got Huguenot and Flatbed. Um, can you just uh, talk us through, just give like like headlines on you know what each of those is, and because I want to get into what you're then going to do with them.
0: Okay. The Huguenot property is, is straddled both sides by Anglo property. The, the Anglo Belcourt itself uh, is um, immediately above us, and the and, uh, Saxon is immediately south of us. Uh, our property is in, the, in between, it's probably the principal amount of coal, it, it belongs to us. We have about 400 million tons that we, we, we got those figures from our drill programs. Our flatbed property is up north, it's immediately adjacent to my old property which is owned by Anglo, that's the flatbed property. So immediately to, to the slightly to the left is Tech Kaminko's property which they've just sold to Kanuma. Um, and then to the right is Canuma's property, and then slightly to that further down to the right is Canadian DeWalt HD Mining, and uh, immediately below us is tech comming property.
1: right okay and um again just so sticking with a kind of you know getting a gra- ground up view of this before we get into the the meat of it is um y- your background obviously you have sold a couple of uh, coal companies um previously I and mean, again gives the headlines on that
0: yeah i, I, I was one of the founders with dave Forsett and kevin james we founded western canadian coal took it public we went public at around 65 cents uh, we had a tough time because nobody wanted to be in the coal business. Well, that hasn't changed that much. Uh, and then, about less than ten years later, we sold it for three point three billion. At the same time as I did Western Canadian Coal, I did NEMI Northern Energy Mining, and we sold that within days of selling Western Canadian Coal. We sold that to Anglo America, and we netted our portion. What we had left was about just, let's say, excessive $400 million.
1: Right, okay. Now, you, you sort of indicated like you know, maybe not not much has changed, but I, I, it, not much has changed in terms of the kind of negative uh, environment for, you know, <clears throat> coal equities, but it's for slightly different reasons. Um, you know, now we're looking, you've off the back of, sort of two years of hot and heavy ESG um, demands, you've got First Nations um, issues, and then you've got this overlay of this rather big, anti-fossil fuel narrative going on in the marketplaces, which is affecting funds' ability to kind of keep fossil fuels in their portfolios. And it's also affecting companies' ability to raise capital. So um, is that concern you at all, or what's your take on that?
0: It eliminates some of the people that we were hoping to come to the table. But at the moment, we've we've got about, let's say, in excess of 15 NDNAs most of those ndnas if you were to break it down a, a majority are steel companies they're the people who end, end up needing our product there is a few which are say, and i'll go back to my history of western canadian coal and nemi uh, it there is agencies that step up and buy coal on behalf of, of steel mills let's say for instance in japan or korea uh, Matsui Masashima matsushima was one of the companies we did business with with western coal and nemi and Atocho was the ones who we did most of the business with, with with nemi, so most of the people we have that have come to the table aren't dependent on bankers to put up their money so the ESG issue isn't a major issue for them. There is a couple of companies we're dealing with that ESG is an issue uh, but they they tend to be getting their funding from let's say for instance there's a financial institution or a, a I don't know what you call it. It's called it's called ICB ICBL ICBL International Coal Ventures. It's a a, a financial instrument that's been created by the Indian government. There's about five billion dollars being put into it to allow companies to acquire coal assets. The Chinese don't care. They've got their own money, and they don't they don't really give ESG any issue at all.
1: Yeah. Right. Okay. So you you say so there are still people at the table who are not who've got big balance sheets and and, and cash um, available to them. Um, you you mentioned a couple of them, but you also kind of, you kind of got the, say the, the Indian China component and the kind of steel, steel manufacturers. Are you looking for straight outright sale or are there kind of various options on the table in terms of, you know, retaining some of the equity upside in in this?
0: No, we, we, we have the assets up for sale. It, there is a possibility, Matthew, that one property could sell to one group and another property sell to the other. At the moment, we are dealing as uh, you know our preference to sell both assets to one company, and, and we're focusing on that. But there is a possibility that we could end up having to sell one property to one company and one to another. Uh, the reason behind that is a lot of the Japanese companies have been willing to do Open pit mining, but they didn't want to get involved in underground, and our flatbed property is underground. But things are changing worldwide, you know, so uh, that rule might not apply
1: anymore. Right, okay. And, and just carrying on with this theme, um, it's a big project. So, you, obviously, some of the names you mentioned there, Mitsui, et cetera, um, the, the, the sort of scale that you're offering here is probably an attraction to them rather than anything that would put them off. Is that right?
0: Well, it's, it's a world class property. Like, for instance, the Huguenot property potentially can do. Three million tons, four million tons. But if you link it together with the Anglo project, it's, it's possible you could get this up to eight to 16 million tons. It really is that scalable. So it is that in itself is a world class property. The flatbed property. Well, it's probably somewhere around three to four million tons underground. Right. And we've only drilled 20% of flatbed. So there's, there's massive potential on flatbed as well. These are world-class
1: properties. Uh, absolutely. So but, but you're suggesting that Anglo is p- potentially a, a buyer for that project, given it's got the infrastructure there already?
0: Uh, you know, it, Anglo's supposedly got their assets up for sale, and there is oh, okay. quite a few different. Gotcha. Looking at, if, if another major group buys out Anglo, that could actually benefit us because Anglo has been sitting on their hands for quite a while. Anybody buying out Belcourt will be say, a lot more aggressive than Anglo's been. If angler changes its tune, then they'll become aggressive. So either way, we we come out okay.
1: Okay. Okay. Fine. So th- th- there's there's a lot to choose from on the BC side, the West Coast. Um. So with, with regards to obviously, there's been some slight changes in the market at the moment. You know, uh, uh, China and Australia are, fr- are friends again. Uh, they will be importing coal from China. Will be importing coal from Australia again. What do you think that's going to do to um, price? What's that, How's that going to affect your um your potential sale price that you're looking for?
0: Well, you know, I checked with Australia last night and I was to and they said it was $400 US a tonne, we we use in our PEA, we use 175 US a tonne, long term planning. But even the Chinese and the Indians are now kind of accepting that it's going to be north of $200 a tonne, somewhere around $225 US a tonne long term. Uh, if we were to change our PEA and put that in, into the equation, but I'm not going to, we're going to leave it the way it is. But if you look at the costs of our mining, and BC is not a cheap mining jurisdiction. So if we were looking at it and we, you look at it, what it's going to cost for startup, it's about $120 a ton Canadian startup. Uh, at 225 US a ton, even at startup, we make a lot of money. And then you look at when you get to $2, 2 million tons, your costs are going to be around $100 a ton, at uh, 4, million, 4 million tons, your costs are going to be somewhere in the high 80s, low 90s. Uh, you're making a lot of money. Even if the coal prices came back to 175 US a ton, you're still going to be making a lot of money.
1: Right. Okay. And if you look, if you look at what your, your, your stock price has done recently, obviously in, in February, had a nice little um, pop of about 30 cents, which which, which is great. And that's all, uh, you know, off, off the back of the, the news that you put into the marketplace. Um. But I just want to try and understand with with regards to well actually your cash position is what at the moment
0: about eight to months eight about eight months nine months
1: eight, eight to nine months of, of, of cash doing what because you 've got the option of just sitting back and doing nothing if you 're starting a sales process and if you feel there 's enough information because most of these big companies kind of take the data you 've got and kind of reassess it reformulate it in, in, in their own image because they 've got different probably uh, you know well, I suspect they they invariably have a different view about how they would come at it compared to compared to a, a, a junior um, minor. So, what? What are you going to do for the next eight to nine months? Sit in your hands and get a a, 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 a bit process over the line, or have you got more work to do? We're
0: going to, we're going to get this over the line, but there's things we have to do corporately. And it's part of the reason why other coal companies fail. You have to do your environmental, you have to maintain your licenses. There's all kinds of things you have to do on it. And, and and where I look at other companies that have failed to get the licenses and their permitting is because they didn't do the right thing in the first place. Our job is to maintain those licenses and permits and all the environmental studies that have to be done. So that we we'll keep on doing that, there, and we'll keep the sales process going. But that's that's what we're doing.
1: Right, but you're right at the beginning of the sales process. People are um, signed NDAs, so they're in, they're in the data room currently, and they will. Um, they'll they'll go, all go through a process and, and at the end of which hopefully there's a few few bids on the table. but how long is that process
0: yeah i I'm, matthew i kind of i can't really answer that because if I give you a definitive answer, yeah, it could change today. It could be one week from now. It could be one month from now. Uh, The reason I I get a bit concerned because when we did the Western Canadian coal in Nemi, it took a long time. And then one day out of the blue, an Indian company threw a bid on the table and the process starts. And 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 then it takes over. Then it's basically on auction. And then it's the best bid wins.
1: Right. Okay. And just, and someone sent in a question. I thought, they, they said oh, it was a dumb question. I don't think it's a dumb question. I think it's a quite a smart question, which is when the bidding process starts, do you have to halt the stock? Um, yeah, in, in, in which case, you know, who's in control of that timing?
0: Well, I'm going to go by history here. With Western Coal and Nemi, yes, we had to hold the stock because the price was such a huge difference to the stock price. Uh, We did notify the exchange. We went with, and we have to take guidance from the exchange. Because of the figure, the exchange said we had to hold the stock and see if we could create an organized market and bring it back. We tried bringing it back, but the problem was the bid went up again. And then it went up again, and it went up again. In the end, we weren't able to bring it back on uh, the way we we hoped to. And that, that more or less happened with Western and NEMI. And in the end, it, it, the transaction took place off the market, where people redeemed their shares by sending it in. At the time, it was Montreal Trust. Today, it's computer share. And they sent their shares in, and they they then got their money by by cashing their shares out.
1: Right, okay. And... um. Okay. That's interesting. Then with, with regards to, um, you know, what, what you do and how how you behave over the next eight, eight to to nine months, I get the, you've got to get your permits in place and, and, and any other kind of administrative component. Are you doing anything on the ground, under the ground, are you because try- it's big enough, right? You, you don't need to do any work on trying to prove that this thing can get bigger, right? Okay, so you're not
0: the thing is, the thing is, we, we're at a scale now with it. We have eliminated a lot of people at 700 million tons, you know. And let say, you know, the, the, the previous transactions, the Riversdale transaction, the Jameson transaction down in southeast British Columbia, they went to three dollars a ton in the ground. The recent transaction with Tech selling to Kanuma. Which is the windy and the window, which is immediately to the left of our flatbed property, they went for three dollars a ton in the ground, you know, so unless they wishful thinking we get three dollars a ton that's two point one billion u s you know you, you've got to look at how many people can cut you that check, yeah you know, mm-hmm. and the, you know, so you eliminate a lot of people just because of the size of you, that you're
1: at, right? And you're 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 sitting trading at about what thirty cents a ton at the moment. Yes. So you, yes. As far as yes. you're concerned, there's there's a bit more uh, growth on this uh, to be had. Oh, yeah. But how do you capture that for your shareholders in in, in the short term? Or you know, or say over the next twelve months, what? How can you affect that?
0: Well, it, we we won't be able to capture it in the stock price. It's, you know, we're probably going to have to face reality that we're going to end up in a very similar situation as well. The NEMI, that when we get bought out, the two dollars a ton in the ground is, you know, necessarily we take that as a as a figure. You know, that's still one point four billion, and then you know that's US, and yes, and that's and that's how we that's what we're planning on doing now. It could be a combination of you know both properties, or it could be one property at a time. If it's one property at a time, that will create complications, but it's still something which we can work our way through. But it's when we are looking at selling the tonnage and the in the
1: ground, not the stock price. Right. Okay. And the it's quite it's quite easy when you start when we start talking about a sales process. to kind of get a little bit excited. I'm sure your shareholders are a little bit excited, and, and, and maybe management too. Um, but there's a lot of work a lot of work to be done. You can't get distracted, and you know nor nor can you um, nor can you guarantee what the what the future holds. Is there a scenario for you where you don't get the price you want? Because of what's going on in the market, people feel that they can put low value, right? Is there a scenario for you which says, okay, we'll take this thing into production? Uh,
0: We've we formulated everything to do as a standalone to take it to production. I'm not planning on doing that. Uh, some of the companies we're in discussion with are willing to do an arrangement where they buy us out and we stick around to take them into production. I'm agreeable to that. Because I realise it's our expertise that they're looking for, but there is that we can incorporate that into an exit strategy.
1: Right, but the, the, there's not a cost of capital uh, scenario where you think, uh, "Well, let's give it a go ourselves," because it, it's expensive out there. You know, we've seen yeah, a lot. Right. we you know, inflation uh, r- ripping through. We're seeing the, the cost of capital for com- available to companies.
0: Actually, the companies we're talking to, you know, like, for instance, the Indian companies and, and the Chinese and Japanese companies, they don't consider four hundred and fifty million to five hundred million an expensive proposition for the amount of coal that they're getting back, and especially at the, these coal prices. What they, what their concern is, is they're concerned about getting through the environmental and the permitting, which is what we're really good at. And so, yes, we understand that there's going to be contracts in place. That they'll buy us out based on us helping them stick around. So, yeah, uh, the staff are aware of it. I'm aware of it. Uh, when we get sold out, it doesn't mean I'll be out of the coal business. I, I'll be in it for a
1: couple more years. Right, okay. So it sounds like in terms of um, the, the, the route to market for you is, is a no-brainer because everyone that you're dealing with is certainly on the – Who've signed MDAs with you, and in the data room, they have their own markets. This isn't the case of how do we sell into the open market. Okay, in, in, interesting. So a lot of the risk has being taken away from from the the you know ha- how you get valued by these companies because they are, they've got a sense of what what they're currently paying. Um. Well, look, and, and by the way, you've got. A few, do you want to talk through some of the some of the d- d- directors? Because a few names I recognise in there um, as well. Helping you deliver this.
0: Okay. Well, I'll, I'll, I don't have it in front of me, but I'm pretty well. I. Will- I'll start from uh, Mr. Batcherian. He's more or less in the middle. Partha came to see me. Uh, we had, there was uh, we've had meetings with CIL and Sale. CIL is Call of India Limited. Partha had been the, the head of uh, he was the CEO and chairman of uh, of Sale. Uh, sorry, of uh, CIL. Uh, he'd come off the board. He he came into town after CIL and Sale had come in to see us. They'd already met with uh, or were meeting with Tech Minko. They've increased their amount of coal going into India uh, by buying product from from Tech. After they've had their meetings with them, they came and met with us. And I came to an arrangement because I realized if we want to do a deal in India, Partha had done practically every major deal in India over the last 20 years, Partha had done it. So I decided to bring him on because it, you know, India has its own idiosyncrasies. And he knows how to deal with it. So I brought him on. Uh, we came to an arrangement with him. He's been very, very good over the last couple of weeks. He's been very, very busy, and he will be busy for the next while. Uh, and then Greg Wall became available. He had been with tech. He did corporate development and, and, and investor relations. I brought him on because it allowed me to get his uh, – let's say, his abilities to help support me in what I do. I really don't have too much skills. I I really hire the best people. John Perry, who uh, is our chief operating officer, he had done every drill program for Anglo Tech, uh, and everybody in our area, one way or another, had used John to look after and and plan the drill programs. So I could use John. It it probably saved me a lot of money by him telling me what the drill result was going to be before we drilled. Because he could remember a drill program going back into the seventies, uh, and yeah, and we we've been very successful in our drill program. A lot of it's to do with him. And then, uh, and then uh, Ian Downing. Ian is uh, we have negotiators in this province. Uh, Ian had worked for the federal government and provincial government on negotiations. Ian and I worked together for a while. I realised that he was a very very good negotiator, so I brought him on to help me negotiate. Yeah, you, know, you know what bankers are like to negotiate with Ian, Ian. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah I, I I like Ian. He's he's got a great sense of humour, and we get on well together, and and he, he's a good advisor to me. And then, uh, and then and then Tony Hammond. Tony Hammond had worked for Anglo. He had run the coal mines in in Edinburgh just outside Edinburgh. So he brought he brought a different skill again, and I've been working with Tony now. From Western coal to NEMI to colonial coal. So I've tried to surround myself with people who've got a lot more expertise than I do
1: well it looks like they've, they've done a lot of things rather than just talked about things uh, which we, we do see a lot uh, coming on the show the uh, yeah I was in the near vicinity of someone who did something so um well look, look, David um, look, just as an overview that's a fantastic introduction to the to the company I kind of wish I'd we'd, we'd heard of it and um, got in you know had you on a bit sooner um but exciting 2023 lined up for you so you've got the capital yeah you, you obviously started well advanced in the process so good luck to you but do come on and let's know how things are going okay
0: yeah. Okay. My pleasure. And thanks for taking me. I enjoyed this. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Anyhow, thank you for to everybody for listening. And if you need to get hold me, there's there's a link on the website. Please, if you if you have any questions, just ask. You know, the sales process is going on, and you know we'll get this thing sold.